to the Power of Five podcast with Glenn Blakeney. Join us for revelatory teaching as well as riveting discussions and guest interviews on all things fivefold ministry. you guys for joining us. I'm telling you, it's going to be an awesome time. We're going to be talking about revival and reformation. My guest is Tony Kim. Tony has a heart for reformation and revival. He lives in California. He's been involved in seeing transformation throughout the earth, the discipleship of nations. And Tony's got some great things that he's going to be sharing with us tonight. I know you're going to be inspired. You're going to be challenged as we live in this season, guys, of reformation. The Lord is reforming. He's doing amazing things on the earth. We've been contending for revival, but revival is not enough. We also need reformation. So Tony Kim and his wife, Jessica, are the senior leaders of Renaissance International in Bakersfield, California. As I said, they've got a passion uh, to see reformation revival on the earth, raising up everyday revivalists and reformers to transform the world. Wow, that sounds awesome. And also, uh, Tony leads and is the founder of the Roar Collective, a relationally based movement of leaders and influencers from every sphere of society to transform culture through revival and reformation. He's also the founder of Roar Academy, which is an online school of reformation currently in nine nations. Listen to this, to equip, empower, and emancipate Christ's following reformers to establish the kingdom of God in their world. In addition, Tony serves as executive director of Harvest International Ministry, an apostolic network led by Dr. Cheon, and Tony travels all over the world, strengthening and equipping the body of Christ to disciple cities and nations. So we are so honored to have Tony with us. Thanks for having me, Glenn. So good to see you and good to be with you. Thank you. I know you're a busy guy and it's a busy time of year and a lot of stuff going on, but so we really appreciate you taking time to be with us tonight. Uh, of course, I appreciate you having me on and talking about, I think it's one of your favorite subjects as well. You know, this, <laughs> this whole element of revival and reformation, Glenn, this is who you are as well. So it's right. a pleasure for me to be here again. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm finding the uh, older I get, the more um, enamored I have become with, with uh, reformation. You know, for years, I was a revival guy, signs and wonders, miracles, stirring up. Uh, the body of Christ. And then I've come to realize that there's more to it than that. And, and that's great. We still need that. And and I know, obviously, you believe that. Uh, the name of your uh, local church, so to speak, I know it's not just the conventional church, Renaissance International. And then, uh, man, what you're involved with, this school of reformation, all that. Why don't you tell us about that? You know, a lot of this began, obviously, you know, don't you love that God still speaks to us today? Mm-hmm. You know, and back in, and I'll just keep this short. Um, but back in 2006, I had a dream. And in the dream, in a nutshell, the Lord spoke to me and said, you will begin a new renaissance that's going to huh. go to the nations. Huh. And, and I woke up with that re- reverberating phrase. Uh, but I couldn't shake that one phrase of, new renaissance 
And, and so is, you know, I thought Renaissance, I don't even know how to spell that. <laughs> you know, and, and I just thought, okay, so I started diving in deeper. You know, I focused on revival and reformation over the years. Uh-huh. But this whole Renaissance, you know, as the Lord uh-huh. began to speak to me. And Renaissance um, is the French word for revival, for uh-huh. rebirth. And, and so I felt like the Lord saying, I'm about to rebirth this reformation in our day. There's a rebirth that's taken place, and it's reform. Uh, and, and so from there, the Lord began to just draw me deeper into the subject matter. And at that time, I've already been working in communities, really going after transformation, equipping churches, okay. equipping organizations to have tangible impact uh, with the kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit. And yeah. that caused us from there in 2009, through a number of prophetic words, uh, it was a confirmation of of us planting a church. And so when we planted, our team just said, hey, listen, I feel like God gave us a name for it. It's Renaissance. Hmm. Uh, and so we just continue to plow forward from there. And then in regards to the school, um, I was teaching in a number of different supernatural schools, Bible colleges and seminaries yeah. and uh, you know, I was teaching mainly on the supernatural during that season. Right. And I received the prophetic word about starting a ministry school. And I just thought, that's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this, and that's just the way I kind of filtered it. And I thought, why should I start something when I'm already participating? I'm already um, a part of existing ministries that are really powerful and incredible. And, and then from there, I got another prophetic word saying that you're to start one, not to join one. Wow, and and through that, I knew right away because I always said if we're going to start anything, it's not going to just be equipping people for ministry. Although that's absolutely necessary, I'm not negating that fact at all. Okay, but we're to add to that. Um, the you know, and the statistic is two percent of the population, if we're being generous, are called to the full time vocational ministry. Mm. Then what are we doing with the ninety eight percent that are not called? behind the pulpits in the church as their primary vocation. Right. And I said, we need to equip what I would call modern day reformers, everyday revivalists and reformers to transform culture through revival and reformation in the world that God's placed them in. And so we came up with Roar Academy. Again, Roar Academy came through a dream, uh, the word Roar, and it stands for Renaissance of Arising Reformers. Oh, okay. I believe that there is a rebirth of arising reformers in the season. And I believe Glenn, you and I are part of that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And, and uh, definitely God is doing something amazing. I'm finding people from all over the globe are hungry. They're saying, you know what? And the, the way church has been working is, you know, it's had an impact. Some places really struggling, really difficult. And COVID is really kind of knocked the wind out of a lot of ministry sales, so to speak. But we're in a time now where people are wanting more and they're looking for um, that, which is really the New Testament way of doing things. So, Tony, when you talk about Reformation and Renaissance, what what does that look like to you? You know, in the, the early Renaissance, which was about a two to three hundred year period, uh-huh. It came out of, a, it really was based out of humanism because it's in that place, in that time where, um, you know, a lot of corruption was taking place. The church was stagnant spiritually and people were desperate. They were looking for solutions. 
And so this renaissance began, but it came out of the philosophy and understanding that man is the measure of all things. Uh, and, and I believe that there's a new renaissance and a reformation in our day where reformers are arising with the understanding that no longer is man the measure of all things, but God is the measure of all things. Amen. And, and so that word reformation, you know, we use terms like this and a lot of times, you know, there's so many aspects and different definitions, right? When we say revival, it's okay. How do you define that? When you say reformation, how do you define that? Sure. Think back scripturally, you know, reformation isn't only a historical word, although it is, it is a biblical word. And so in Hebrews 9, 10, that verse ends with until a time of reformation mm-hmm. and the context of the writer there is he's delineating the old covenant, a new covenant, right. And trying to bring people of his day into the better covenant. Right. And, and so that until a time of reformation, that word reformation, the Greek is diorthosis, mm-hmm. uh, which means to bring back to its original state, mm-hmm. bring back to its original intent or another, the flip side of the coin of that is to establish a new order. Huh. And and so I believe all that is taking place. And we've been set up the T, really COVID set the T up for us. Yeah. You know, for such a time as this, that, you know, yeah. your movement, Glenn, that you lead, the listeners and watchers right now, that we are in an incredible season of opportunity to establish a new order on the earth, which is this kingdom order that we live and abide by. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So powerful. And what a, what a time uh, it is. What an opportunity God has really furnished for us to step into this. So when we're speaking to believers in general, you know, um, we're talking about this reformation. Um, What, what does that, how do you articulate that? So we could talk about, you know, the definition of reformation, but then as reformers, Uh simply put is to, you know, in Luke, it talks about how the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like leaven, you know? And so what, what, what I like to say is reformers bring the leaven of the kingdom and they need it into the dough of society. Okay. And so in other words, we bring the solution from a kingdom perspective through God's creative spirit by the Holy Spirit to bring order back into society, to bring healing back into brokenness, to bring mm-hmm. prosperity in the place of poverty, mm-hmm. to 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 really help people live this life of fullness that God intended since the beginning. And mm-hmm. obviously it begins with revival because People, their hearts need to be saved. We need to be, we need, we need people to mm-hmm. encounter God in a powerful way where, um, you know, it's the spirit. It's the uh-huh. spirit, man, right? Where really nothing else matters. If everything, we can make everything better, but if everything is going to hell in the handbasket, then mm-hmm. what's the purpose? And so we want to see souls saved. Right. And then from there, we want to see people fully establishing kingdom on the earth. So simply put heaven on earth, Glenn. Yeah. Yeah, is is what reformation is all about yeah great and you mentioned earlier about you know restoring the original the meaning of the word the greek word in hebrews 9 and yeah that's what it's all about you know we we want to make 
sure that people understand that when we talk about, even when the Bible talks about in Isaiah, you know, behold, I do a new thing. Now, <laughs> in the context of that passage, it was definitely new in, in what he was about to do, restoring Israel out of captivity. But here we are in a time where God is restoring us, in a sense, to what was done previously through the finished work of Jesus, the apostolic prophetic foundations that were laid in the church, the preaching and the demonstrating of the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of a kingdom, his kingdom that comes to earth, that brings change and transformation. I love Luke 8, 1 in the New King James talks about how Jesus went around preaching and bringing the glad tidings mm -hmm. of the kingdom. And, and so I believe that's what you're, you're advocating. Um, you, you say uh, the Roar Academy's mission is to equip, empower, and emancipate Christ-following reformers. Now, more, more than good alliteration, I mean, what specifically do you mean by that? Equip, empower, and particularly emancipate because these are people of God, Christ-following reformers being emancipated. Right, absolutely. Now, I need to be careful how I explain this. And so for those who are listening and watching here, um, I am a pastor of a local church. I, I believe in the local church. I believe the local church is a major vehicle in which God uses yeah. uh, to impact the world. Now, with that said, uh, we know that you know, we don't, there's no such thing as a perfect church. Right. So one of the things I understand and, you know, is, is I'm continuing to work with reformers and as a reformer, uh, and, you know, I never called myself a reformer. People started calling me that. And I thought, what, what is that? Really? What does that even mean? Um, I don't consider myself a Renaissance man, but people call me that. Right. So, but I will take that on that, on that platform, on that um, notion Mm -hmm. This is one thing I realized. I think as a church, uh, you know, we we have a level of understanding when it comes to equipping and what that means. Um, you know, and from a first, uh, you know, from Ephesians 4.11 to where the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are called to equip the church for the work of the ministry. It's it's goes that equipping goes beyond teaching doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. it? It is helping them identify their place in the body of Christ and establishing yeah. them there. Yeah. And, and on the flip side of the coin to that is also it's to mend a net and to gather people, which yeah. a lot of people don't talk about, but then there's the empowerment, right? It's, it's giving them opportunity. It's, it's giving them that place where they could exercise, you know, who they are, yeah. you know, more than their gifting. Uh -huh. But then I, you know, as I started seeking the Lord and as I started talking to different leaders, they were really frustrated with people they didn't know what to do with. And they would say, Tony, I don't know what to do with some of these people. Yeah. You know, the millennials in my church, I don't know what to do with them. Right. I, I mean, right. I hear uh, statements like that. And, and so as I, as I started dialoguing with them on a deeper level, I realized they don't know what to do with them because we're treating them like revivalists instead of reformers. Uh, okay. You know, re re revivalists know how to operate within the church typically. Right. You know, they, they, they're, they're profound in it. And we need revivalists today like never before, mm -hmm. you know, inside the church and outside the church. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and at the same time, I realized they didn't know what to do with them because these guys are reformers. These ladies are reformers. And with that said, and there was tension and frustration because I realized as as lions and eagles are not to be caged, mm-hmm. reformers are not to be caged. They're to be freed. Yeah. And so as we equip them and empower them, we need to emancipate them. We have to free them. Uh-huh. into society and loose them you know uh we need to egbolo them yes so they cast them out into society right. right you know to make that impact make that uh societal um you know be that societal influencer and in where god called them to be yeah yeah that's that's so good tony and you know what it's so it's it's absolutely true this is the way of the new testament it's the way of jesus that's what he did you know, eventually he prepared the disciples and particularly, you know, he called 12 of them to be apostles. And then it says in Mark 3 that they might be with him and that he might send them out and that right. apostolos. But you you use the word ekbalo, which is when the Lord Jesus, just for those who are listening, if you're not aware of this, when Jesus said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send mm-hmm. forth more laborers, it's the word ekbalo. It's a forceful word that right. God wants to, um, with force, uh, send people out. And and I know sometimes we have an issue with with just being complacent and comfortable, and we don't want to go out. And like the early church in Jerusalem, and then a persecution happened, and they were scattered. They were ekbaloed, so to speak. But then there are other, uh, and you mentioned millennials, where definitely these guys want to run, man. They want to spread their wings. They want to do things. But the church in many places has uh, just kind of don't know what to do with them, like you said, or, you know, oh, well, this is what you do. And, you know, you you minister here and we put them in these little boxes. I think personally for me, and I'm far from a millennial, uh, I definitely have felt that way throughout the years. I went through a journey, my story in a nutshell is I come to Christ, my first person in my family in ministry. And what ends up happening is as I'm growing and I'm understanding who I am and how God wired me in the kingdom, I end up going, hey, you know what? I can't just pastor a local church here. Um, that's going to kill me. I've got to be doing you know, all these diff- different things as well. What, the Lord intended me to do. So emancipation is a powerful term, freeing God's people to be whom they were created to be. When I pastored, um, one of the things that was very common up until a few years ago was that we would, we would say, Hey guys, we have a vision in this local house and we want you to you know, God has sent you here and we're, we're grateful for you and we want you to serve the vision. And, and I don't think there's anything inherently wrong about that, but um, I, I do believe that vision needs to be a, a big vision and a kingdom vision, kingdom size. And, but, but what we should be doing, and, and I'd love for you to speak into this is kind of flipping the script and, and just saying, hey, guys, like, we want you to come here. We're here to to um, sow into you, to invest in you, to equip you, to stand with you, to celebrate you, and to follow you, so to see you freed, emancipated, so you can go and fulfill the calling, the vision that God has given to you, and even create 
um, uh, that freedom and latitude for people to really dream prophetically. Would, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love. What do you think about that? In in terms of the local church shifting more into that, um, I know it's apostolic, but uh, I love it. You're right. It's this to me. This is what it's all about. And if we're gonna, you know, one of the paradigms that we've really uh, found ourselves in during the season is this paradigm of family. You know, and if if we would treat, you know, one another genuinely as family rather than seeing each other from more of a traditional institutional religious perspective, I think the dynamic would completely shift. And what you explained is exactly what takes place in a family. Yeah, it's it's that teaching. It's the journeying together. It's the guiding. It's the maturing it's it's helping uh, foster a culture of dreaming hmm. and then coming around that. And as mothers and fathers, Glenn, we're to create resources for our children so they can fulfill that dream. And then eventually we have to kick them out of the nest, don't we? Yeah. And and we, you know what? You're ready here. We're sending you out. Right. And, and I, I really believe that this is part of the reformation for the church, uh-huh. you know, especially as uh, God is, um, restoring this whole understanding of the apostleship and apostles back into the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that we're seeing a fuller expression of really who we're supposed to be as the church. And I think it's okay in terms of the journey. I know a lot of people, you know, just are pretty critical in terms of the church was like this and like this, but you know what? I think God used the church no matter where we were. And that's his grace and his mercy there. Yeah. Um, But as we're progressing, you know, in greater understanding with the apostolic and the prophetic, you know, being restored, there's another paradigm that's shifting right now as we speak. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so when when we look at the world, the population of the world, you know, 7.8 billion people plus, and of all the unreached people still, you know, what we did a, a missions roundtable last night with some great missionaries that are working on unreached people groups in Southeast Asia in particular and other places. Um, and I'll tell you what, there's still billions of people that have not been reached with the gospel. Right. And and we have a lot of work to do because Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, that the gospel of the kingdom, he said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached That's as right. a witness throughout the earth, throughout the world, he said, as a witness or a testimony to all the nations, the ethnic groups, and then the end will come. And he said this gospel of the kingdom, meaning the gospel that Jesus was preaching, what he was stewarding, so to speak, when he was on the earth. So the gospel of the kingdom, and and we preached um, on salvation. We've we've taught on, you know, even even the way we've approached discipleship. Um, hasn't been i'm not saying it's fundamentally flawed but i'm i'm saying it's not uh robust enough in terms of of what jesus actually did and said and i really believe we're moving into that state you 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 refer to fathers and mothers family 
Um, huge shift right now. People are desperately wanting that. For example, I had a um, conversation earlier today with someone from a small island in the Caribbean. And they were saying, I mean, this island is so small, there's only a few thousand people live on it. And they were saying that um, they can't find spiritual fathers and mothers in their region, you know. And, and there's such a hunger and a desire for that. And we talked about that last, last week as well on the broadcast. So what, what does that uh, look like moving forward? What do you anticipate the Lord doing, you know, in terms of those who are really embracing uh, this, this reformation, you know, in terms of family and fathers and mothers versus the kind of institutional Yeah, model. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think there's a hunger out there, Glenn, because we're created for family. Mm, that's you good. know, conferences are great. Meetings are great. Uh, you know, and, we, you know, I, ho I host them. I do them. I speak at yeah. them. But at the end of the day, we're created for family. We're created for relationships. So it is a it's a cry of humanity and creation for that. Mm. And, and so for me, um, you know, I have to take it back to Matthew 16 verse 18 you know where uh you know jesus says where it's right after peter declares who jesus is you know you're the christ son of the living god yeah. and and then jesus says and i also say to you that you are peter and upon this rock i will build my church and the gate of hades will not overpower it and that that phrase where he says i will build my church Right. And this is one of the things I believe God is putting his finger on right in this season wow. is this. When he says, I will build my church, that word build there in the Greek is oikodomeo, which we derive the word oikos, which mm -hmm. means home, right, family, yeah. community. And so then he says, I will oikodomeo my church, which is ecclesia. We're familiar with that. It's two Greek words put together, ek, kaleo, called out yeah. ones. Yeah. But then the other side is the ones calling out is mm -hmm. also another meaning. And, mm -hmm. and so you have the dual meaning there. But the ecclesia is actually founded on the oikodomeo, mm -hmm. on the oikos, on the family. So I really believe that there's a grace in this season where we're seeing family revival taking place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing prodigals coming back. And the Lord spoke to me about this earlier wow. this year. And, and he said, Tony, I'm starting with family revival. Mm -hmm. And and because one of the things that we know based upon sociologists and secularists in 2006, Glenn, um, the presidential administration, they did a research study. Okay. And it came out with this conclusion. And it was this, that every social illness can be attributed to lack of fathers, wow. which basically means broken families. Yeah. And so if every social illness is connected to broken families, then what, what's the foundation for healing society? Hmm. It has to start with families within God's own children, Yeah, within our own families. And yeah. so I believe reformation begins with the family. 
Mm. Transformation begins with the family. And so he's putting his finger and his thumb on our families right now. And he's rebirthing hope for the ones that we've been praying for for mm. years to re-engage with a new level of hope, to intercede, wow. to pray for the prodigals, pray for the, the husband or the wife or the children that have backslidden or still don't know him. I'm still praying for my father. We've been right. praying for him for 40 years, you know, for yeah. salvation. And he's yeah. gonna come, he's gonna come to know the Lord. And, and we all have family members. And so I believe that family is the foundation for that. Yeah. And it's Malachi four, five, six. Hmm. He's turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and children to the fathers, lest I might smite the land with a curse. Right. So God's heart is to bless the land, which uh -huh. is societal transformation. And he does that on family. Hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And wow, so powerful. And you know what, Tony, I, I really believe that. And not only personally in our own biological families, mm -hmm. but obviously the wider family That's that right. God created his church to be, as you mentioned, uh, a household, so to speak, mm -hmm. a family. And, and I believe, you know, as, as a, an example of this, um, we pastored a church and when we went to this church, it was an established church. It was in decline. There weren't many people left. And we, people weren't, there was no community. There was basically, there was kind of a few yeah. people, the same people that would hang out with each other. But we were intentional over a period of a few years to build family. And by the time we ended up leaving the church and transitioning, we actually saw there was such um, family love and community there. It was amazing. And people to this day talk to us about that. We hear that. Mm. And, and I've visited um, other churches uh, even recently. And obviously, great churches, great content, great mm. presence of God and all that. But then I look and I go, well, how do I connect with anybody? Hello, everyone. Have you heard of my new podcast called The Power of Five, where we talk about all things fivefold ministry? This is Glenn Blakeney of Awake Nations Ministries. I encourage you to join us each week as we bring some of the most knowledgeable kingdom leaders from around the globe into the studio to chat about this current season of Reformation and specifically how the restoration of the fivefold ministry plays such an integral role in what the Lord is doing to restore and raise up a glorious church in these days. Hallelujah. So guys, please subscribe to The Power of Five on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And would you also consider leaving a review, rating the podcast, and sharing on social media with your friends? Together, let's recover the glory of the Lord as we contend for reformation, revival, the advancement of the kingdom of God on the earth. Thanks for listening to the Power of Five podcast. Be sure to visit kingdomcommunity.global to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our awesome bonus content. See you next time on the Power of Five.